In this moment, I recognize the one, one source, spirit, God, creativity, love, life, whatever you choose to call it, we are one with it. Its quality is love and peace. And that quality is also its very essence. God is love. God is peace. And so I realize that because I am one with God, I am one with love and peace. It is my divine nature. And it is your divine nature. It is ours. It is not limited. It is not limited by conditions. That love and peace is not limited by what's going on in the world or any outward circumstance. Even what's going on in our very household because love and peace is who and what we are, and it is always there. Spirit is always guiding and supporting us. Every moment. I choose to remember that that is who and what I am and who and what my fellow person is. Today I know that each one of us hears and knows exactly what we need in order for that next step in our evolution of our consciousness. Knowing that we are always given what we need. I know that this service is blessed and that each one here is a blessing to this space and place and to each other. In this state of gratitude, I simply release knowing my word has action and power and truth and beauty and is already so. And together we say, and so it is. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. So nice to have you here. I wondered if the sun would have any effect on our folks coming in. I'm so grateful to have you. So welcome. And if you're new with us here this morning online, my name is Reverend Diana Johnson. And I'm the pastor and spiritual director of Mystic Heart Spiritual Center. We're an interfaith community. We teach universal principles and practical spirituality. So I welcome you home to the guidance and wisdom of your own heart. And I welcome you home to our community where we are working to build a bigger table. <laughs> so we begin our journey by joining our voices and deepening our intimate connection with spirit. 
come home to your mystic heart. Lay aside whatever came before. Let your own intuition start to guide you whatever came before let your own intuition start to guide you to heaven's door to guide you to heaven's second grounding chant for this month is love, serve, and remember.
Powerful vibrations joining our voices together as one and allowing it to move us more deeply into our meditation this morning as we make conscious conversations, conscious connection, excuse me, (laughs) we're not there yet, (laughs) conscious connection with our global community, gently allowing our eyes to close, our gaze to rest downward, our bodies to be fully held by our chairs, taking a couple of nice deep breaths, Fully arriving in this place, in this time, in this moment. Grounding ourselves in the here and now. Imagining that as the breath moves in and out, that it is dissolving any distracting thoughts. and allowing the breath to move that energy of the mind down into the heart, (coughs) bringing our focus to the heart. And imagining that the heart is beating with the pulsing energy of the one life. With the heart of the mother, with the heart of the father, with the infinite intelligence living and moving through everything. And now imagine that your heart is beating with the hearts of all beings. Human, other than human, and that all of creation is pulsing with the same life. Acknowledging the global web of consciousness that's created as we feel ourselves united by the pulse of life itself. Sensing the radiant light of spirit that shimmers through all of it. We feel and know our oneness with all that is. And we acknowledge our responsibility to one another as human family and as caretakers of this beautiful and life-giving planet. With every breath and in every moment, we sense into the truth of our oneness, allowing all lines of separation to dissolve as we seek to build a bigger table, to envision and create a love-soaked world. What do I mean by building a bigger table? First, creating a spiritual community where all are welcome and where all have an equal voice. Then, once we accomplish this in the microcosm, 
including people from every faith path, philosophical point of view, and way of life that acknowledges the sacred. We have a model and a set of tools for helping to build a world where people of all ages, races, creeds, ethnicities, sexualities, and abilities can work together, peacefully celebrating our differences and recognizing the strength in our diversity. Where to begin? We begin with ourselves. We look to the prayer of St. Francis for guidance. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. When we ask to be made instruments of peace, what we are really asking for is the boundless determination to empty ourselves of every state of mind that disrupts relationships. Anger, resentment, jealousy, greed, Self-will in any form. Our first priority is to reform ourselves. Without that, how can we serve as an example? It is the living example of a man or a woman giving all they have to making love a reality that moves our hearts to follow. In the springtime season of new beginnings and on this day, known by many as Palm Sunday, I turn for a moment to the great teacher Yeshua. We look to him as one who set a beautiful example of how to walk peacefully into transformation. His story, whether entirely factual or not, 
points us toward deep truth. Palm Sunday commemorates the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey to observe Passover. Some believe that his entering on a donkey was not so much an act of humility as a mocking of the Roman government who were entering the city on horses through the opposite gate. You see, Jesus was a peaceful warrior a revolutionary, an evolutionary. He wanted desperately to teach the people about truth, love, and spiritual law. He wanted to set an example of how to stand in one's spiritual authority. After more than 2,000 years, Jesus still serves as an amazing example of strength, courage, devotion, and forgiveness. All qualities that we must build in ourselves if we are to contribute to the building of a bigger table and the creation of a love-soaked world. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing I can do I am not Jesus. But this was not Yeshua's teaching. He said, These things and greater shall you do. He taught that each of us has divine power at our disposal and that it is only through our thoughts, words, and actions that the healing of our world can happen. And so I begin within. I begin in meditation and prayer. From the quest of prayer, there is something comforting about taking time out to commune with a higher power. The soul naturally seeks the experience of raising itself to a spiritual level where it can think and feel from its inner core of divinity. It is these heightened moments which satisfy, which give us the strength to go forward, the joy to warm our hearts, the comfort to ease our sorrows, When human circumstances seem to overwhelm, when we grow frustrated with our lives, confused as to our choices, or mystified at our place in this vast universe, we ultimately turn to prayer. Basically, we pray simply because we cannot do otherwise. Nothing else works. and from the gates of prayer. All things pray, and all things pour forth their souls. The heavens pray, the earth prays. Every creature 
and every living thing. In all life, there is longing. Creation is itself but a longing, a kind of prayer to the Almighty. What are the clouds, the rising and the setting of the sun, the soft radiance of the moon, and the gentleness of the night? What are the flashes of the human mind and the storms of the human heart? They are all prayers, the outpouring of boundless longing for God. Prayer is not only speaking to the Divine Presence at the heart of creation. It is also an expectation that guidance will come, and a deep, spacious listening that opens the heart and mind to new possibilities. Prayer is a full cycle of communication that leads us to action. Prayer is the starting place for all responsible and effective activism. By going first to our deepest wisdom, we engage the powers of heaven and the bands of angels in bringing resolution to our challenges and peace to our world. We have heard that the Rabbi Yeshua of Nazareth ate with poor people, with lepers, prostitutes, and those who collected taxes for the Roman occupation forces. But we often forget that he dined with Pharisees as well. The Pharisees were critical of Yeshua. They thought him unclean because he healed lepers, the untouchables, and, as society still does today, they judged him by the company he kept. It took great courage for Yeshua to minister to those on the fringes of society, to risk his reputation as a rabbi in the eyes of the religious elite, but he also modeled radical inclusivity by dining with his harshest critics. Yeshua's table ministry honored everyone as spiritual equals, as offspring of the divine, worthy of the same respect and esteem. Even those for whom he had hard words always left 
with their, in, with their dignity intact. Every Sunday we conclude our gatherings by sharing food and fellowship, eating each other's cooking, joining in conversations, celebrating the truth that we are here by divine design. The principle of unity tells us that we have that same belonging with all people and with all of creation. So how inclusive can we be? Can we zoom out far enough to include everyone, even those who disagree with us? In these few moments of sacred silence, let us contemplate our own individual table ministries. Are we as inclusive as we would like to think we are? Who might we be excluding? And how may we welcome them in?
expanding our table, acting on our intention to include more of the vast diversity of humankind into our lives requires great courage. It takes a willingness to listen from our hearts, to suspend judgment, to celebrate and value our differences while finding the common ground we all share. Each of us has the same needs, to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged as a valuable member of the human race. And so we give thanks for the courage to extend these gifts to others with no guarantees and for the faith that our own needs will be met in return. As Teze continues, we welcome Reverend Diana's inspiration and wisdom, and we bring it forth into our world by building a bigger table. Last week we spoke of coming home, coming home to our hearts, coming home to spirit. But I invite us to remember that first we must come home to who we truly are. Human beings are inherently peaceful, generous welcoming creatures who thrive on belonging. Our native language is love. We are built for such a time as this, for such a great transformation. Building a bigger table comes naturally to us when we live from that truth. When we consciously place our faith in ourselves, in one another, and in the creative intelligence of the universe. Will there be work involved? Of course there will. There always is. Great things are not built without effort, time, and dedication. But will it be worth it? Of course it will. Besides, what other options do we have? Before we can become effective agents for positive change in the world, we must begin within. Spend some time this week in contemplation. Which aspect of my humanity most often gets in the way of my living from truth, from goodness, love, and light? No matter which thought or behavior pattern most often blocks your ability to shine your light into the world, 
it is rooted in fear. What are you afraid of? The unknown? Your sense of powerlessness? Your own power? Seek to know the truth. You are a child of the universe, a perfect and intentional, irreplaceable creation of the one infinite intelligence. You are here on purpose, for a purpose, no exceptions. our meditation this morning with a prayer for truth from Don Miguel Ruiz of the Toltec tradition. Today, Creator, I ask you to open my eyes and open my heart so that I can recover the truth about my life. Help me to resist the temptation to believe the lies that repress the expression of my life and my love. Give me the strength to resist the temptation to believe the lies of others that only create emotional poison in my heart. Today, Creator, let me see what is. <laughs> 
not what I want to see. Let me hear what is, not what I want to hear. Help me to recover my awareness so that I can see you in everything I perceive with my eyes, with my ears, with all my senses. Let me perceive with eyes of love so that I find you wherever I go and see you in everything you create. Help me to see you in every cell of my body, in every emotion of my mind, in every person I meet. Let me see you in the rain, in the flowers, in the water, in the fire, in the animals, and in the butterflies. You are everywhere, and I am one with you. Let me be aware of this truth. Today, let everything I do and say be an expression of the beauty in my heart. Let me be aware of the beauty and perfection in everything you create so that I can live in eternal love with you. Thank you, Creator, for the power to create a dream of heaven where everything is possible. Beginning today, I will use the power of my love to create a masterpiece of art, my own life. And so it is. Amen. Sadhu. Ashe. Aho. So coming back into this space, I apologize for the sudden awakening. <laughs> making sure we're all still here. We open our eyes and our hearts and look around and just acknowledge all who are here with us today, celebrating, communing. This is spiritual family, one of your support systems. Some of the people who will help you out if you are ever in need and give a call. So I'm so happy to have you all here this morning and just delighted with the progress and growth and thriving of our family. So as we close our Teze meditation portion of the morning, we offer an opportunity for you to share of your financial good with our community in support of the work that we're doing out in the greater community. So if you're joining us online, you can go to mysticheart.org and you'll find a donate button or a mailing address. And we thank you in advance for your gifts. Um, they support our, our strong growth and movement out in the greater community. So as we do our offering this morning, we're going to feature another short video, this time from Kiss the Ground.
Planting a garden has the power to change the world, and even you can do it. Us gardeners, we do a lot to sustain our gardens. But sustainable, <laughs> see that's old news. <laughs> because it leaves you in the same damn place. Where a big movement of the gardeners are going right now, they're going regenerative. Because regenerative gardening actually helps reverse climate change by building soil. It's like magic. During World War II, people started planting home victory gardens to support the war effort. By 1944, nearly half of all fruits and veggies were coming from backyard gardens. We're bringing victory gardens back, but this time it's for the climate. Even a small garden has the potential to impact the global crisis of climate change. Here are five ways to make your garden a regenerative climate victory garden. Ditch the chemicals, less disturbance. If you don't want it in your body, don't put it in your food. And stop turning your soil over so much. Two, keep the soil covered. Any plant is better than no plant. They protect and build the soil. Three, encourage biodiversity. Diversity is resilience. It makes America great, so it goes for your garden. Four, grow food. Food from your backyard means way fewer food miles than food shipped all the way to your grocery store. Five, compost. Make it, use it. It's a probiotic regenerative source for your soil. We can all participate by making climate victory gardens that build soil and helps reverse climate change. So plant your climate victory garden and add it to this map. And share your photos of your garden's regenerative practices. Good soil. <laughs> uh, uh, so we thank you for your gifts, for your generous uh, contribution to our community. And please know that we receive them with love and we grow them and expand them and return them. So it is. And so the farmer's market started this weekend. So I encourage everybody to go out and begin your, your produce and other things shopping, supporting our locals. Um, we just supported our fifth acre of regenerative Yay. farming Yay. with farmer's, farmer's Footprint. Yeah. And if you don't have a space for a garden, I can help you get started with just pots. So just let me know if you're interested. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Um, you can check your bulletin, the website, for all kinds of things coming up. And we'll do a full set of invitations at the end of the conversations. Don't forget that there are sign-ups to help Tracy out with uh, service now and then with the kids if you're interested. And let's go ahead and close with our blessing. May your soul always find what it's looking for. May your heart always lead the way. May you live in peace and harmony. And may love always fill your day. May your path be strewn with happiness. May success find you everywhere. May you always embrace compassion and grace. And may God always answer your prayer. May you always embrace compassion and grace. And may God always answer your prayer. 
you have a beautiful Sunday. Feel free to come back at 10.30 if you'd like. And we have uh, some good Italian food and soups for lunch today. Recognizing our source. Inspired by our first service. Recognizing that we are here for a purpose, on purpose. No exceptions. I love that. I remember asking that question whether I was planned or not. <laughs> and that just reminded me during that last service is, well, of course you always were by the divine. The divine planned for each one of us to be here. And it's really miraculous because it's at this time in history and it's in this particular town and in this particular space and place. And we get the honor and privilege to have enough resources that we have the money, time, talent, whatever all that is that brought us to this particular place to really be able to recognize this and to realize our divinity. How blessed we are. How grateful I am. So in this place of gratitude, I simply release my prayer, knowing that that is the truth and feeling so blessed to have that truth bestowed on me today. But together we firm this prayer by saying, and so it is. Amen. Thank you, Cherie. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So great to have everybody here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So if you're new here with us this morning, my name's Reverend Diana Johnson. I'm the pastor and spiritual director of Mystic Heart Spiritual Center. And we are an interfaith community, so we have people from all paths that, that get together. Um, we teach universal principles and practical spirituality. And so I want to welcome you home to our community, should you choose it for yourself. I would like to welcome you home to the guidance and wisdom of your own mystic heart because that's where your answers will be found. So let's get started this morning by joining our voices. Maybe if you feel like getting up, dancing, moving, that's always fine here. If you want to sit, that's also fine. 
but I can't keep still. Welcome to your mystic heart, join the celebration. Lift your voice and sing your part, make this affirmation. Spirit made us family with loving hearts to share. Together we are joyfully practicing the possible through prayer. Everything's possible. So welcome to the mystic heart. Okay, if you're still sitting, let's see if you can sit still now. <laughs> everybody, get up on your feet. See the light in everybody you meet. Everybody, get up on your feet. See the light in everybody you meet. Let us be reminded of who we've come to be. We are love, we are one. One big family. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 yeah, yeah. Let us make a joyful sound. Here we stand on holy ground. Let us make a joyful sound. Here we stand on holy ground. Let us make a joyful sound. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. Everybody, get up on your feet. See the light. Everybody you meet. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 yeah. third one out every month so this is the first Sunday of the month today we're gonna ask with Ricky Byers Beck with how can I serve how can I serve today sweet spirit how can I serve today oh Lord speak in ways that I will understand where you lead me I will follow where you lead me that's it right there how can I serve today, sweet spirit? How can I serve today, oh Lord? Teaching ways that I will understand. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will go. How can I serve today, sweet spirit? How can I serve today, oh Lord? Teaching ways that I will understand Where you lead me, I will follow Where you lead me, I will go Where you lead me, I will follow Where you lead me, I will go How can I serve? So you will notice, if you're new here, that on your way in the front door, there's a nice little shelf. If you ever want to take your shoes off when you come in, you don't have to, but you're welcome to. We have a shoe shelf because I like to live barefoot. So there we are, <laughs> just pointing it out for the new people. <sighs> it feels so good to be here this morning. So I want to invite you into our sacred practice for this service. Every week we take a moment at the beginning of our conscious conversation and we enlist our entire body 
into the experience of the presence, we invite the sensation of life moving through our veins, through our bodies, so that we can fully experience this practice that we begin with each week. And so I invite you to take a moment and just sense energy as it's moving through you. Whatever that feels like for you, whether it's a warmth or a tingling or just uh, something that you can't even put a word to. The love filling you up. The life moving through your body. And I invite you to join me in our sacred practice of visioning for a love-soaked world where all humans are embodying and living from peace, joy, abundance, generosity, justice, and freedom. These are the living principles by which we all live our lives. Where all humans practice loving kindness and compassion, honoring and caring for one another, and taking care of this beautiful planet that sustains us all. We're creating a world where all needs are met, where all beings have plenty of nourishing food, medical care, the safety and warmth of a comfortable and loving home, where mental and physical health and education and healthy relationships are ensured by social systems grounded in wellness and wholeness, Amen. where right livelihood and creative contribution and a sense of belonging are known as gifts of the spirit. They're deserved and received by all. A world in which all beings are valued and respected for their inherent goodness and light. A world in which peace is cultivated within us and shows up in the world as a world free of hatred and violence. Yeah. Yes. We're creating a world that knows no greed where there's absolute abundance in simply having enough, where every being deserves and receives all that is necessary for a full and rich and contented life. In this new world of our creation, every person is a caring and conscious vessel through which generosity flows. By the power of our collective intention, we write a new story. We create a world that works for all beings. We know that our good work is bearing fruit. We will not lower our vision, no matter the appearances in the world, knowing with our whole hearts that such a world is not only possible, but it is inevitable. It's coming into being now, and we trust that this prayer is an integral part of its graceful unfolding. We open our hearts and our doors and our arms in radical welcome 
erasing all lines of apparent separation. We create an open and loving community to which all are invited and in which all have an equal voice. Our powerful vision is moving into form and experience right here and right now. And we trust that this prayer opens our hearts to its unfolding. And so we simply let it go. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. And we're going to add Satu, Buddhist closing. And Ashe, African American. And Aho, Indigenous Peoples of the Americas. Welcome, welcome. So let's take a minute to look around and see who all's here this morning. Say good morning. Welcome. Nice to have you here. So our theme for this month is creating a love-soaked world. That's been our practice every week for, for this conversations. Actually, we started it even before we started our conversation service. Um, but that's been our visioning practice every week since our inception. And we are actually going on four years this wow. coming June. Yay. Four years. And we are continuing to grow and to thrive. It's just been a beautiful journey. So during the Teze this morning, we spent time reflecting on the role of prayer in our lives and the role of prayer in the creation of a new story. And we talked about how prayer is a complete cycle of communication. That it's perhaps speaking to or with, asking, in some way communicating with whatever we call that which is greater than ourselves. But not just communicating to, but then becoming receptive and quiet and listening for guidance to come back. And then we're not done. <laughs> we speak, yeah. we hear, then what? We, what do we have to do next? Receive. Receive. Allow. Allow. Respect. Respect. <laughs> and eventually, action. action. <laughs> Without action, our prayer is not complete. The world will change by our prayer, but not by our prayer alone. We have to be active beings. Let's see here. Where do I want to go today? So just the idea that once we've heard what is ours to do, and that is a really good way to know what is yours to do, is to get quiet and to really look into your deepest wisdom. But once we know what's ours to do, then we have to do it. Because we, you know, there isn't some up in the sky bearded <laughs> guy yeah. that's going to, you know, move us like pawns. We, we are the hands, the heart, the voice of God on the planet. Us and all of creation, but human beings are uniquely, as far as we know so far, uniquely self-reflective and capable of choice. And so through us come things that other creatures maybe cannot 
offer. So let's have a conversation today about big, building a bigger table. It's my title for this week's services. Um, when I say <clears throat> that building a bigger table is part of creating a love-soaked world, just listening to those phrases, what does that say to you? What does that mean to you? What might that mean? To be in service for others. Okay, so it could mean calling you into service of others. Yeah. Inclusivity. Okay, inclusivity. All right. Building a bigger table. Welcoming to all. Welcoming to all. Welcoming to all who agree with me? No. <laughs> no. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Making space. Boy, that right there. Let's talk to that. Yeah. Sure. What kind of space? What are we talking about with space? Sacred space. Safe space. Safe space. Sacred space. Receptive space. Receptive space. Mm -hmm. Heart space. Heart space. Welcoming space. Welcoming space. Interactive, Interactive space. Non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. That's part of safe space, right? Mm -hmm. Loving space. Loving space. Mm -hmm. So that's a space out here for us to gather, but that space starts in here, right? Mm -hmm. Spacious heart open mind, a willingness to disagree with others peacefully and be okay with that. And to hear it. And to hear it, to not just allow it to be out there and not get through, but to really hear one another. Yeah. So what stories did you grow up with? Okay, <laughs> let me give you some example here. In other words, what were some of the assumptions that in your life, in your family, in your community, whatever, um, assumptions that were accepted as truth when you were growing up? Mm -hmm. The one holy Catholic church and no other. The one holy Catholic church and no other. Yeah. Born in sin and you got to accept somebody as your personal okay. savior or you're not getting to heaven born in sin and you need some intermediary otherwise you're not getting there wherever heaven is right but it's not here right <laughs> <laughs> what else you couldn't talk to god yourself you had to go through a priest or yeah okay yep. another intermediary story you couldn't talk to god yourself God was a being in outer space somewhere, a giant throne, surrounded by angels, and you had to live up to some minister's expectations mm. in order to be able to join him after you die. Wow, that ship has sailed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, more stories. Kind of like walking into the kingdom of, he of heaven. Kind of like walking into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's where she was talking about, huh? Yeah. Anybody have any kind of stories about lack or limitation? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. 
plate. Eat everything on your plate. Because <laughs> if you don't, somebody else is going to starve. Okay. China. Somebody in China <laughs> or Africa is going to starve. Or Europe. Or Europe. Because you don't finish your dinner. Be good or you're going to go to hell. Be good or you're going to go to hell. Life's hard and then you die. Oh, life's hard and then you die. Uh, Money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. There's always months left over at the end of the money. Always months left over at the end of the money. Yeah, I think I've heard all of these in my growing up. Yes, be seen and not heard. Be seen and not heard. Ooh. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I do. And how does that work? Not really well. <laughs> not really well, huh? Yeah. Especially when you find yourself. Right. Especially when you find yourself acting like your dad. Yeah. Oh. No, you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good one, without a clue. Right. Your mouth opens and your father's words come out and you go, oh my God, how did that happen? And if you're good enough, God may answer your prayers. Oh, if yes. you're good enough, God may answer your prayers. Mm -hmm. So, any stories around uh, parents' love, freely given, or have to be earned? <laughs> earned. Earned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Home was always a safe place to be, right? No. Not so much. Not for everybody. Not for many, actually. So I'm going to share a short reading with you from the book, A Bigger Table. It's mm. by uh, John Pavlovitz, and it's called Building Messy, Authentic, and Hopeful Spiritual Community. So he is a Christian minister who was, uh, he has deconstructed his Christianity and reconstructed it to a more universalist approach, something akin to like a Richard Rohr or... Um, who else am I? Th Brother David Stendhal Rast. Or, so he's very universalist at this point. But he's still in ministry. He's over 20 years. Let's see, where did I mark this up? He says, For as long as I could remember, I had two really great stories planted within my heart. Stories that not everyone has. The first was the story of a family that loved me. They spent time with me, told me that I mattered, that I was adored, that I could be anything I dreamed of being, and that they were for me. Home was a sanctuary. It was belonging. It was a soft place for my soul to find rest. Second, I had a story about God. In my God story, God was real. God was good, and I was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of this very good God. Admittedly, this was a particularly tough sell during puberty and middle school breakups. <laughs> My faith story told me that God was massive and made everything. Yet this same God knew me intimately and loved me completely. It was and is a beautiful, and I believe true story, one that for most of my life has yielded the awareness that I was never alone and that God was always present. This realization has been at times comforting, and at other times terrifying, depending on the day and my agenda. <laughs> Yet along with my stories about a big God who loved little me, and an affectionate family who was for me, I also inherited some false stories, too, about people of color, about gay people, about poor people, about addicts, about born-again Christians about atheists, 
in my handed down narratives, these people were all to be avoided or feared, or at the very <laughs> least approached with great skepticism, because something about the stories I'd learned told me that I was just a little bit more deserving of the love of this big God than they were. Hmm. Some of these folks I looked at with pity and others with contempt, but I saw them all as surely undeserving of the close proximity to God that I, as his favorite son, had been blessed with. <laughs> Most of us are raised in a similarly self-centered faith story, asking if God is for me, who can be against me? And assuming that there is some competition with others that we are required to win in order to secure our acceptance. Such thinking forces us to quickly become experts at exclusion and at crafting a God who plays favorites. This is far easier when everything around you tells you that your skin color, gender, or orientation guarantees your place at the table. My story told me that I was a beloved child and that those whose lives were seemingly foreign to me were at best barely tolerated foster children who needed to do some work in order to earn a seat. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to this, this is prevalent in our culture. Yeah. It's prevalent. I couldn't have described it that way then, but I remember how it felt to think about God and to count myself close and cared for while believing so many others remained distant and disregarded. The truth I would later come to learn was that I was just another begging roadside leper who wrongly imagined himself <laughs> Wrongly imagined himself a righteous Pharisee. <laughs> False stories and small tables will do that every time. In fact, the source of the greatest dissonance in the modern church, and this is referring, he's referring to Christian church, is the belief that there are clearly defined insiders and outsiders. And I want to say, I want to say it isn't just in the Christian church. There are other churches where it, it, the organization itself, the structure, creates this. Mm. That God is somewhere up there keeping score like a cosmic Santa Claus and that we all need to figure out how to separate people into allies and adversaries lest we align ourselves with the damned and not the saved <laughs> and guarantee our own damnation. These faulty biographies handed down to me weren't the result of targeted, sinister indoctrination by the adults around me or delivered through any specific verbal instruction. They were simply the predictable byproduct of being around people who looked and talked and believed the way that I did. When this happens, your table is going to be small. That's what uniformity usually breeds an inherited affinity for the familiar, and a fear of what isn't. When the table you're used to sitting at is small, so too is your understanding of those seated elsewhere. Let's see here. Yeah, one more paragraph. <clears throat> Over time, I'd quietly developed a subtly narcissistic religious worldview where God gradually became the God of the good people, and conveniently the good people tended to always look and sound and believe an awful lot like I did. Mm. This was my spiritual incubator during the first 18 years or so of my journey, and for most of that time it worked for me. 
privilege usually works for those who have it, <laughs> unless they are so roused that they are able to see with fresh eyes and notice their blind spots and the great advantage in their experience. Like a stain on the back of your shirt, you usually can't see your own privilege and you need good, honest people around you to tell you, and then you need to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> so does any of that sound familiar to anyone in terms of our own culture? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, you know, it's part of the race consciousness that we are immersed in. So what are the dominant themes in the stories in our own culture. What are some of the dominant themes, some of the stories we've been raised with? The dominant, there's really a dominant thread is what I'm looking for. God is on our side. Okay, so God is on our side. Which means our side. Like there is a side. Like there is a side. <laughs> okay. I think it's a difference between the saved and the unsaved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Saved and the unsaved. So we, we talked about how we have cultural stories of lack and limitation. Right? Definitely. So if there's lack and limitation, then that naturally leads us to what, us and them. Us and them Only in competition. Yeah. Right? Only the successful are of God or Okay. By whatever definition successful in our culture means usually what? Money. 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 Materialism. Material it's a material wealth thing for success. So all of this really points to one issue, one story. I'm just thinking the belief in scarcity. That it even scarcity. Let's extend that a little further with another S word. Selfishness. Selfishness. Sanctimony. Sanctimony. Ooh. Ooh, I like that word. Separation. Separation. That's a better word than segregation. All comes down to we're separate. All those other things come out of our sense of separation. Separateness from God and from each other. Separateness from God, separateness from one another, separateness Separate from, from, our the, good. from our good, yeah. separateness from our planet. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to tell me, if I removed you from this planet, how long would you survive? <laughs> <laughs> Not very long, right? So I have a couple more paragraphs I want to share from his book. Not as long as the last one. A couple chapters later, he says, organized religion and organized crime can be frighteningly similar at times. <laughs> Both tend to rely on unwavering loyalty and on participants passionately defending their own. In ministry and in the mafia, when things are going right, you're well fed, and fiercely loved, but make one bad move, cross one wrong person, and it's horse heads in the bed and concrete sneakers. 
house, there's often a startlingly narrow line between a holy kiss and the kiss of death. And learning how to stay on the boss's good side becomes a matter of survival. He's a good writer. The church, again meaning the Christian church, but again, this could be any form of organized structure of religion, can be a beautiful or a horrifying place, depending on where you're standing. As they say in real estate, location truly is everything. <laughs> There's a tangible sense of shared purpose and mutual affection that comes with being part of a local faith community. A feeling of belonging that really does transcend almost anything one can experience. Skip a little bit. In the local, in the spiritual community, I've been held in times of intense grieving, supported financially in difficult seasons, and had my family cared for in ways too great to measure. I've received forgiveness and encouragement and lavish love. There I've found my purpose, learned how to navigate adversity, and been given a front row seat from which to view the work of God. The local church has been home for me. I believe in what the church can and should be. And it's the reason I've shown up every week for the past 20 years to try and provide this kind of hope-giving, life-sustaining community for people so starved for it. The problem is that the deep familial bond that religion nurtures and spirituality, whatever you want to call it, either way, so easily can become toxic, so quickly be turned inside out when someone is perceived as somehow deviating too greatly in either behavior or belief. <laughs> what a mob boss would call going against the family. <laughs> in the wake of such things, people can instantly find themselves pushed to the periphery of the community or separated altogether with very little warning or due process. And the long road back can be brutal. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So I read that because as, as an open, independent, interfaith community in Shasta County, Redding, California, there are a lot of disillusioned, deconstructed Christian folks out there that are looking for spiritual community, for spiritual home. And I think it's valuable to us to understand the kinds of um, wounds and pain that they've sustained so that as an open community, you know, open to whomever is drawn, we can be loving and kind and generous and welcoming. We can create a bigger table for people of all kinds of traditions to come together. Because we focus on the universal principles and truths, we're not really teaching or espousing a religion. Um, now, a religion can be a beautiful thing. The word religion just means that which reconnects me. That's the meaning of that word, that which connects me to my source. It's like ligament. The word religion has the same little piece in there as the word ligament. So religion isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but it's when it's used to control folks that it becomes a problem. So lots of people have had experiences like this guy's talking about in his book. And this is why 
some people hesitate to become involved in spiritual community. You can understand why. Anyone, does this sound familiar to anyone? Has anyone else had like a, an experience where in the past you felt yourself not fitting somewhere or tossed out somewhere or, yeah. For sure. All right. <laughs> Sanford and Son, right? So this is why everything that we do, we focus on integrity first. That was like our first principle that we looked at for weeks or months. Authenticity, like everyone come as you are, really, be yourself. Um, there's a sense of radical welcome. There's an unconditional sense of love that's here, and it's palpable, and people feel it and they comment on it all the time. Everything from our shared agreements that we formed as a community, the community that was as we began, um, to our vision and our mission and our purpose statements, all of that stuff points us toward becoming physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually healthy people. We want to support ourselves and others in healing, not in maintaining our woundedness. We support one another as each of us is learning to walk our talk in the world. That's, that's what we're doing here in this space. So during Teze, we looked at the Rabbi Yeshua as a beautiful example of how to walk peacefully into transformation. That his story, and again, we, we point to whether or not it's factually true really doesn't matter. It's a truth tale. It's a truth story. It points us toward a deep truth. So today is Palm Sunday in the Christian tradition, and it commemorates the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a small little donkey. Some people believe that that's a symbol, because uh, the Bible, let's just say, the Bible is an Eastern writing, written for Eastern people, so it's symbolic. It's a, it's a mythology, it's symbolism. Not to say none of the stuff happened, but it's written <laughs> symbolically. So some people think that that donkey symbolizes his humility, which could be. That's one interpretation. Other people believe that he was mocking the Roman government because on the other side of town, they were riding in on great big horses through another gate the same hour that he was riding in on his donkey. Okay, so open to interpretation. We acknowledge Jesus as a peaceful warrior as a revolutionary, as an evolutionary. He wanted desperately to teach people about truth and love and spiritual law, cause and effect, and how it works. He wanted to set an example of how to stand in one's spiritual authority. So who knows why we call it Palm Sunday? Because all the people put down palm leaves for okay. him uh, in, in front of its path to honor him. Okay, so people spread palm, which those are the trees kind of that they had in the desert, right? They laid out the palm fronds as a pathway for him to enter, as a way of honoring, honoring him. So was it specifically for, just for Jesus, that palm fronds were laid down? Do you know? Royalty. For royalty. It was a, it was a cultural thing. Anytime royalty 
any king, any uh, political leader was entering, palm fronds were an indication of welcome, like our red carpet would be, rolling out the red carpet. And the people that were laying these fronds out expected that he was going to become their political king and their spiritual leader, because both tended to reside together in that time and place. And they expected that he was going to save them from the Roman government and their crooked priests, because both were in full swing at the time. Mm -hmm. But according to what's attributed to the man himself, he never made any such claims that he was going to be those things. Um, it was clear that people had set expectations for him. But he knew that his purpose was really just to come in and raise the bar. His purpose was to lift people's sights from living according to man-made rules to living from an internally motivated sense of love. He saw that there needed to be a change. So they expected what he could not give, and he brought what they could not hear. Mm -hmm. And so, crucifixion is what happened because they couldn't understand one another. <clears throat> he was doomed from the start, right? Because he came in bearing this message of love and um, refused to step into the political role. So my question now for you is, has anybody here ever had a similar experience where people place expectations on you that you can't or don't want to live into, and therefore miss the gifts you do bring. Yeah. Anybody, anything come up that wants to be shared? Mark? Um, earlier in my life, um, women would meet me sometimes and, oh, I'd like to get to know you. Are you a doctor? And you know. <laughs> Oh. And, and and it always no I have to I felt apologetic because uh -huh. they wanted oh. they wanted that yeah so they were expecting someone of some particular kind mm -hmm. of whatever clout or something mm -hmm. and they missed your gifts what did you have I, I I see you and I'll be right there Caleb what what might you have offered just one <coughs> thing you might have offered given the chance understanding understanding that's been my yeah. my my goal now I've realized understanding to a level that I've not realized it before mm -hmm. just by maturing coming to here for four years and uh, and finally beginning to put understanding is what results from all of the truths that are spoken mm -hmm. sentence by sentence by sentence it's almost as if casting flower petals out every time you speak a truth mm -hmm. or the, the palms. And, and what I've come to understand is that, you see, understanding is so hard. We look to others to tell us what to understand. Mm -hmm. But when it's a personal experience, 
it's akin to a spiritual experience. It's so right. connecting. Yeah. And when you when you had that experience, not just a single incident, as if you were a pitcher and you just threw the perfect strike, and forever again, you know, you're changed. No, it's a constant thing to realize yeah. this understanding, uh, and and it's a blessing to it is. to have that. And it's a gift that one can offer another and can be missed exactly. by having preconceived notions of what what it's supposed to look yeah. like. Yeah. I'm going to come over first to Caleb because I saw your hand. Okay, so I would like to say this and that is that all of us humans are the same. When I say all of us humans are the same, I mean we're all human beings, we're all Asians, we're all Australians, we're all Antarcticans, <laughs> we're all North Americans, we're all South Americans, we're all Europeans. Yeah, we're all from the world. We are. But when we're soldiers in military bases, our leaders, generals, presidents, try to tell us that we are not in that our life is better than theirs, oh, so they, yeah. which is why we have wars to take over, so that we can yep. have our, our li have our life happen over th over true. there. It's that separation we were talking about, huh? Yeah, yeah, and that's what the Roman government was trying to create was separation, and this person comes along trying to say no, just what Caleb said. We're all human beings here. Mm -hmm. We need a bigger table. Thank you, Kayla. What I found in my life is I, you, I have expected people to be a certain way and always been disappointed. Mm -hmm. But what I found out about is that I disappoint myself because I have big expectations about oh. what I should be mm -hmm. to certain people or not to certain people. And I give and give and give and give and don't get anything in return and then I'm sad. Right. And now I've decided not anymore. Mm. You either like me the way I am or you don't. Right. Beautiful. Thank you. Lucinda. When I was in high school, I had an adult through the school that I very much trusted who decided that I needed to go and get pregnant so that I could have a child and have the state take care of me. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Oh. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one who's ever had that expectation yeah. placed on them, whether unconsciously or verbally like that was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Chris? I could echo. Yeah? My grandmother, Bimba, why do you want to go to school, get married, and have babies? Yeah. Oh, wow. Heard that yeah. one, too. <laughs> yeah. Go to college and take care of yourself. And yeah. Don't. Don't get married. Uh -huh. oh, so wow. either way, if the expectation <laughs> doesn't match what we want for ourselves, then it's not helpful, right? Mark. I wanted to add <clears throat> why it's so difficult to understand. <clears throat> the example you've given of Jesus coming in one side of, to, of the city and the Romans from the other, they were into forcing Mm -hmm. And Jesus was not able to force. He wanted to present the possibility of love and peace right. being a, a way we could all get along, but the culture was not evolved enough yet. That's true. 
That's true. <clears throat> and so we have made progress. I believe that wholeheartedly, really, no matter what the world looks like. And so the issue mm -hmm. is about force again. And, right. and you can't, you can obey forces from outside of yourself, <clears throat> but at some point you need to obey your own sense of what is right and what is right. wrong for you. And so in this church, we, we're open to lots of truths from different perspectives, right. and we see that works too. Yeah. So rather than, like the Romans, being forceful, we're, he's trying to bring this message of learn to stand in your own power, mm. learn to stand in your own spiritual authority, because it lies within you. It doesn't lie anywhere outside of you. Thank yeah. you. And thank you, Kimberly, for bringing <coughs> in that it's, bless you, that it's not just the expectations from outside that can become a problem. We hold ourselves to expectations, and then we get in our own way of shining our own gifts in the world. So it doesn't even have to come from outside, right? So I believe that Jesus was way ahead of his time. He came to show us... Huh? We're still trying to catch up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, he came to show us a different way to live, and that's a way that we are still learning how to step into. He was an expert at building a bigger table. Beyond... He was beyond, way beyond inclusive, just wide open. He welcomed everyone from prostitutes to lepers to tax collectors. Yes, even them. <laughs> <laughs> the Easter story, if it's taken for its symbolic value, is perfect for our time. It points to the need for a new paradigm. It speaks of the death of an old way of life and the rising up of the human spirit to meet the current times. It invites us to put our stories of separation to rest and to step into a new age, one in which compassion and generosity and cooperation lead us into living lives of wholeness and unity. And it reminds us that transformation isn't a one-time thing. It's an ongoing tra uh, process, transformative process. This points to me to the eternal nature of life, right? Eternal life, ever-going transformation. So let's close up today and anchor, anchor ourselves in what we know to be true. That there is one eternal life by whatever name we call it, really doesn't make any difference. But that one life is forever expressing as all of creation. Each one of us is an individualized expression of that one life. Individualized. We confuse this word. We think it means something about separation. We're unique. Individualized means indivisible. It means that which cannot be separated from the whole. And so we are perfect and intentional creations, each showing our own flavor of the one wholeness. 
We know that life is change. That we're not exempt from growth and expansion. It's part of our nature. We know that old ways must die, individually and collectively, before new, more holistic patterns and behaviors can be nurtured and developed. And so here and now, we commit to letting go of all that no longer serves us. We let go of all expectations, allowing spirit's infinite wisdom and intelligence to guide our lives every step of the way. And in the letting go, we are freed from limitations of every kind. Our thoughts, our words, our actions are aligned with the original goodness we were born into. And all is always well. Mm, so I release this prayer, trusting in the power of holy language to set a new course, to create a new mold, a new story for my life and for the life of each one here and for the life of the planet. And so I just set it down, letting it be. And so it is. Amen. Satu Ashe. Welcome back. Feeling good? I'm feeling great. It's time to close our service this morning so we can move into our food and fellowship. Talk about bigger table. We love our food and fellowship. We've been doing it every Sunday since we were legally allowed to reopen for food and fellowship. You know, as we prepare to move, this feels like a good time to um, acknowledge Sandy. Would you come up, please? So Sandy spent the last year, a whole year, being in charge of our food and fellowship, coordinating, and when she took it on, it took on new life for sure. We've had a different theme every week, every week for a year. We've had lots of people actively engaging and contributing, and it's your smiles and your love and your energy that made it so. And so, and her organizational skills. <laughs> and so, and thank all of you for your help. <laughs> just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And starting today, our new hostess with the mostest is Kathy Aiken. <laughs> So she has coordinated our bigger table for today, and we have Italian theme. We have some interesting themes sometimes. What's been the weirdest one so far? I think the British one. British. We had a British Sunday. Squeaks and bubbles and toads in a hole. Yeah. It was delicious, too. So thank you, guys. We all contribute, but thank you for your leadership in taking that on. 
So as we prepare to wrap up today, we invite you to join in the celebration of the work that we're doing in the world by offering of your financial good, should you choose to do that. So if you're at home, you can go to mysticheart.org and find a donation button or a mailing address if you still have those old-fashioned paper things that fly through the mail. Um, we also have a gracious giving program, and so we invite you to check online or ask somebody about that if, if you decide you'd like to make a monthly commitment of contribution. And as we move into this time of giving, I invite you to check the screen and um, hold this affirmation, these words, close to your heart because they're very meaningful to us and uh, to, all, to all of us, you included, if you're one of us. I said us, I went, well, that was a separating thing to say. Okay, so together we say, as I awaken to the God within me and all around me, I see abundance everywhere I look. I consciously step into that flow of abundance by this act of giving. I offer this gift freely in the spirit of love, blessing it and sending it forth to heal and prosper. It is evidence of my deep faith. It does good work in the world and blesses all of creation. I give from a consciousness of abundance. And so it is. Please enjoy this song, A Bigger Table, by Matt Mayer. And, and dance if you want. Come gather round the mystery of love in our broken history Where grace sees the fault lines in me Time and time again welcomes me To a, a house for the hungry, a well for the thirsty, where all saints come together.
Recognizing God's bigger table. Recognizing these gifts that are shared freely and generously. Knowing that they come into our community of mystic heart, but also our community of Reading and our world community. It's a circulation that has no end. Because it's circular. <laughs> Just knowing that there is no end to that. That there is no such thing as scarcity. That abundance is ever available. And having so much gratitude for that abundance that flows effortlessly. I simply say thank you. And together we say, and so it is. Amen. Yeah. 
join us for lunch next door if you